Hi, I'm Elissa Nicole Trust, an actor and writer living in New York City. Hey, I'm Lauren Schaffel, an actress and producer also living in New York City. And, and we, we are Positive, Positive Creativity, Creativity Podcast. Positive Creativity is a podcast where we speak with writers, directors, and other artists about what they're working on, what's inspiring them, and how they stay positive in this industry. We are looking to shed light on all of the wonderful projects happening in New York and beyond. Our goal is to give creative artists a platform to talk about their work and to give theater and film lovers the opportunity to learn about more creatives and projects. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you with support from Ahava Theater Company. Kat Hargrave is a senior agent at DGRW. Before becoming an agent, she was an actor working for Hong Kong Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, the Emmy-nominated Triumph Selection Watch 2016, and had a thrilling stint at the Applebee's in Queens. As an agent, Kat has interned for The Price Group, assisted the voiceover and on-camera divisions of DDO Artist Agency, and was an agent associate at Hardin Curtis Kirsten Riley. Peter Hargrave most recently guest-starred in the season 22 premiere of Law & Order SVU. He received his MFA in acting from the Case Western Reserve University Cleveland Playhouse MFA acting program. He's worked off-Broadway as well as regionally at Cleveland Playhouse, Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park, Actors Theatre of Louisville, Musical Theatre West, Gateway Playhouse, and Disney Cruise Line. Other TV credits include Madam Secretary. Together, they run The Obvious Path, a blog that interviews actors, directors, writers, managers, and casting directors to provide different approaches to aid the ascent of your dream mountain. Welcome, Kat and Peter. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Like I was just saying, like we legitimately listen to this podcast every week, so we're very thrilled and honored and humbled to be here. Yes, thank you for having us. And we love it's so fun. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. We're so excited to chat with you today. So Kat and Peter, we, we always start with this kind of larger open question, as I'm sure you've heard before. Um, maybe we can take turns answering this question. What is currently inspiring you? Yeah, we sort of been like saying the advantage of listening to this is knowing this question is coming. And then like, <laughs> the beautiful result of that is that you start like three weeks ago, I've been like, what's inspiring me? <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> um, and so many things. I think the first thing just for us is like this past week and Joe Biden getting elected and just sort of feeling, I, I mean, the polls were saying one thing, and I think if you were sort of like a 2016 triggered person, you were very aware that that wasn't going to be an accurate representation of what was actually going to happen. And then like how emotional the week was. And it sort of feels like against all odds, like the good in people prevailed. And obviously there's a lot of sobering messaging that comes along with like the other side of all of it. Um, but I, th I think like America was faced with like a choice that clearly, you know, uh, went a different way before. And um, lots of people, like 25 million more people voted, which is great. Yeah. And like, um, you know, specific leaders were 
really in charge of galvanizing groups of people that needed to show up for themselves. And mm -hmm. they did that super effectively. Like Stacey Abrams is obviously like sort of the poster child of who, who really did that. Um, but I mean, it just takes like that on like a macro level and on a micro level. I mean, just to see that happen for this week, we're really celebrating that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I think for me, I'm like in full agreement. So that is, that is the answer. And then I will just piggyback and say, I, I recently just started a new job in August and I have been taking this time to meet with clients over Zoom. And um, I, it's just been so inspiring to be, be so welcomed into an agency and just have like the loveliest actors be supportive and excited to meet. And, and then like already seeing some of those actors book something like, like for TV is just, it's so humbling and like, it's very full circle for me. And it's just been such a, a sweet experience so far. Mm -hmm. And then also like the other side of it is like casting directors have been so amazing with like wanting to see people they don't know, or like this person's been on tour for three years and like, you don't know them. Will you please see them? And they're like, yes, like this is a time that like, I have the time to see more people. And so just like a lot of people being normal humans and just really excited to help others. It's just been very, very nice to see. That's oh. wonderful. Yeah, that's so awesome. It's such a weird year in, in that regard, right? Because it's it's been so many highs and so many lows. And I think like, obviously, like the other side of this is like 102,000 people tested positive for COVID yesterday. Oh. you know, and 1400 people died from COVID yesterday. And I think obviously like we're headed in for like a really grim winter, uh, like all those yeah. signs point to that. And, you know, to really hold in both hands, like the sorrows and joys of um, 2020 and wondering like, you know, wondering how much the, the year of 2020 has also produced good. It's like being able to hold those yeah. things in, yeah both of your hands is, is a really tough balance and celebrating feels weird. And, um, you know, uh, really absorbing all the sorrow also feels really difficult. And, you know, it's, it's a tough balance yeah. to walk between the, the highs and lows of 2020. Yeah. yeah. I love how beautifully you said that. And it makes me think of something I heard somebody say on a zoom call, something like, I would never have asked for this time, but I would never, when it's over, I hope that I'll say I would never give it back. Yeah. And however they said it was probably a lot better how I, no, I just set up to think of it that way, that like, I would have never asked for this, but I hope when we come out of it, that I'm grateful for everything that has come in this time. Absolutely. Could yeah. Not yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really beautifully beautiful way to think about this time that kind of just resonated for me in a big way like I feel like this within the highs and the lows it kind of opens up possibilities that you never would have thought were possible like I feel like we'll get into this more in a in a little bit but like new job opportunities like for you Kat um or you know moving to a totally different city for a while or getting a puppy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we a puppy like a week and a half ago. So we're still, yeah. <laughs> we're maybe on the, on the quarantine puppy train, but we're but happily joined. <laughs> we are happily joining. Yes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> 
So Kat, um, you had mentioned your new job that you just started in August. You are now an agent at DGRW. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, We have a lot to congratulate both of you for. Um, But will you tell us a little bit about, first of all, your story of becoming an agent, but also moving over to DGRW in this crazy time? Yeah. I mean, thank you so much. If, if you would have told me I would have uh, gotten a new job during this pandemic, I would have like, I, I mean, I'm just shocked that this has even happened and so grateful. Um, but yeah, I, so I went to school, my undergrad for musical theater um, in Texas and I moved to New York really wanting to be an actress and, you know, sing and dance anywhere I possibly could. Um, I worked at Applebee's in Queens, <laughs> like I did that. Um, and I, you know, as everyone coming to the city as a non-equity actress, I mean, the first year is just really hard. And I learned a lot. And like, looking back on that time, I'm like, that was incredible and so sweet now to know that, but it was, it was really tough. Um, I ended up working for Hong Kong Disneyland for a a contract or two. And then like, we kind of got thrown into the Disney realm after like my first year of being in New York. And so I worked for Disney on and off. We did some together too for a few years. Um, And I remember like we worked on the cruise ship as well. And I remember being on the cruise ship and being like, Peter, I don't know if I love acting anymore. (laughs) Like I just... I, yeah. And this is my favorite story because like I have this distinct memory of her like one night, like I think we were binging Game of Thrones because like what else do you do on the cruise ship? (laughs) But uh, she like, she like had this day where she was kind of like, I'm just not as in love with performing as I feel like even the other people on the ship are. And then like having, I mean, she was in New York for a year auditioning before she had any of those gigs. So she was like, I've waited in line with, you know, the 350 people that like want this more than me. And like, I'm just realizing, you know, I wanted to p- play Millie and Thoroughly Modern Millie, which we did. She did her junior year of college. And then she was like, I want to play Natalie in Next to Normal. And I want to play Ariel for Disney. And like, that's pretty much it. And like, my aspirations don't go much beyond that. And so then that was like the first time that either of us had indicated like we see oh a world for either of us like outside of acting. So she said that back to you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, so like we finished our contract on the cruise ship and then we were we like moved to LA to be with his parents for a bit. And then Peter was like, I think I'm supposed to go to grad school. And I was like, I am not like, I will never go to grad school. It is not in my, like, I I just have no desire to do that. Um, And I felt like really lost. I kind of didn't really know what I was going to do. But we moved to Cleveland, Ohio for Peter to go to grad school. And while I was there, I got like a nine to five sales job, um, which in hindsight is like super helpful in me agenting because that was the only reason I got interviews to be in a, like to work at an agency in New York was because I actually had like working at a desk experience. Um, but it was a terrible job and I hated it. It was like, it was like, uh, I was a recruiter for medical coders. So literally like I would place medical coders at hospitals, um, who needed medical coders. So kind of like agenting where I place actors and breakdowns, kind of the same thing, but it was just for an industry that I hated, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and so I did that, and 
I think like the, the cool stories in that quickly, again, I feel like I ramble, um, is that while I was in Cleveland, I was interviewing for a teaching job before I got my nine to five desk job. And it was like a musical theater teaching job. And in the interview, you actually had to sing. Um, and so I went in there and like sang and I got a call like two hours later and there was actually a director in the room of that interview. And she was like, Hey, like you didn't get the job, but, um, I'm a director and I'm directing this show at this theater. Um, do you want to be a part of it? And I was like, okay, why not? Um, and then it turns out like four months later, that same theater was doing next to normal. And I got to play Natalie, which was like such like a gift from the universe of being like, okay, like check, like you gotta be done soon, you know? Um, <laughs> and then just to like tie that up, like I was at my desk job doing, uh, doing that for about a year, Peter's in school. And um, I found out that the, the show that I was a part of in Hong Kong and um, for Disney, they were actually remounting their show and they needed an aerial. And so I flew to New York and auditioned and got to go back and play Ariel for a year in one of their shows. And so it was like such a gift of like closure for acting for me. Like I feel very lucky that I actually could, you know, be able to say like, oh yeah, I, I got to do the things that I said I wanted to do. I'm very lucky to do that. And now I want to do something else. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, what were you going to say? Yeah, it was because like Kat was in Hong Kong that last time for a year and she came home at the six month point and we were sort of evaluating what's next because like I say like we had sort of sworn off New York when we started yeah. cruise shipping we're like never again it's not for us it's too hard um you know we don't know enough people whatever um and my grad school was sort of pushing us back into New York and Kat came home came back to Cleveland like for a week we're just sort of sitting there you know and she was like, I really want to be an agent. That's like, if we go back to New York, like that's kind of the only career that I can really see myself doing. And I always say like, she might as well like looked at me and be like, uh, I want to be like a deep sea diver. I was like, I was like, <laughs> you know, like, that seems really cool. I just, I don't know what that like path looks like, but we really kind of committed to that. And really like that last six month stretch, I mean, was really all about us saving money and preparing for a move back to New York because mm -hmm. pretty much as soon as she was done in Hong Kong, she was just like applying to every internship at an agency that you possibly could. And most of those go to students. It's just hard to make a career pivot when you're a 28 year old actress, um, actress you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of people, in interviewing would be like, oh, you're an actress, like, LOL, like, you don't want to be an agent, like, and, and that would always be a question I got of like, are you really done? Mm -hmm. And I would always be like, yes, like, I, I actually like, really believe that I'm done acting, you know, and I think, I don't know, like, that just was such a crazy thing for people to hear. But, um, and also, I will say, like, we, we felt the need to move back to New York, also, because Peter was wanting to continue acting. And so we were like, this is the place where we can do both those things. Um, and I think just to like tie all that up, like I had an agent when I was out of school and I remember having this like unnecessary fear of my agent and like, I couldn't communicate well. It was really intimidating. And, and that's like on me too. Like, it's not that I'm like that agent was bad. That agent was really great, but I just, I, I didn't really understand what the, the agent 
client relationship should be. And so when thinking about what I wanted to do, I was like, well, I could still be in the industry. I could work with actors. I love actors. And I could just be helping them get to their next job. Like that sounds like a dream job. And I think that's, I don't know, that's been so rewarding for me. But when I started interning, I was at a very small agency. And then as I hopped around, I ended up working, my first actual paying job was an assistant in the voiceover um, department of DDO artists. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I got an interview is because I had done voiceover work in Cleveland. Um, and I had no desire to be a voiceover agent. I was like, this is probably not for me, but also this is the only door that's opening. Like no one else is hiring. This is, this is my door. So I went through it. I knew immediately I did not want to do voiceover. So I was like begging my boss to switch me to TV film or theater. Um, and everyone told me they were like, like a lot of like agent friends and like friends of ours in the industry were like, you're going to pigeonhole yourself. Like you're working in a voiceover department. You're never going to be at a legit desk. Like this is really bad for you. And I was like, probably, but I need to make money. So like, I don't know what to do about this. Um, and I ended up just begging to switch. They switched me to the TV film department, um, but I still wasn't doing theater at DDO. And so uh, I'll bring in like Peter's manager, but Peter's manager is lovely and actually got me an interview at another agency that's um, called HCKR. And they are like a full legit agency. So they do theater, TV, film. And his manager basically got me the job there. Mm-hmm. So that's where I was up to 2020. And mm-hmm. then um, again, like so much word vomit. If you're listening, I'm so sorry. Um, but we get to 2020 and I'm pretty quickly, I knew that like we're all going to be losing our jobs because every associate or assistant I knew in the agency world was immediately furloughed. And so I, we went out to LA to be with his family during quarantine and that was in March. And, um, I don't know, I, I, I guess, uh, through our blog, the obvious past, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, we had a connection who, he had heard about changes happening at DGRW and was like, Hey, like, I think you might want to meet Kat. And he put my name in the hat for this position. And, um, the owner to be at DGRW reached out to me and we, um, I remember going into the interview because it was, they were looking for a senior agent who had TV film experience. And like, that's pretty much all I've done is TV film. Like I worked on theater at my old job, but like my skill set is TV film. Um, and I remember going into it, the interview thinking like, LOL, this is a dream job. I'm never going to get this. So I'm just going to be like super blunt about like what I believe in an agenting and like the kind of agent I want to be and like, just like not going to hold back. And then I ended up talking to my now business partner for like two hours on the phone about how much like we're the same and like we have these same goals and the same mindset on how to do this. And we're not perfect, but I think we have the right um, we, we, we have the same dreams, at least for our clients. And um, by the grace of God, I got that job. And now I'm a DPRW. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Like, wild ride. like getting getting a job within the two week window of like also having lost a job, you know, yeah. is it was like a real miracle kick save, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was just it was we just... were evaluating is New York like feasible yeah. for us anymore mm. what is there and then that just came as like a really definitive answer of like yeah it's still here and like 
things are still moving forward and like this journey has really been guided for Kat like all along every step of the way. Yeah. Wow. That is such an amazing story and even more amazing because I I read your blog and I, I read the post about this transition to working at DGRW, but now to hear it from both of you, it's like even more empowering. I'm just so, I feel like I'm hearing the story for the first time and just like listeners can't see, but I'm like jaw on the floor, like nodding along, like snapping over here. It's just so amazing. So huge congratulations. And I think it also says something too about um, this kind of kinship with your, with your co-partner now. Alyssa and I've talked about this a little bit off the podcast. I think there's something to be said for agents, managers, like there's fresh eyes looking at the business now. And I think having fresher eyes, younger faces in the agency world is so key and so crucial to creating some major changes within the industry. So yeah, yeah. I just to say that. That's encouraging to hear. I, yeah, that was something we really wanted to dive in, especially with our clients of just like, actors should have more agency within their agency, you know, like they need to actually feel like, like, I want to feel like I'm representing the human being behind a headshot. Like I, it's not, you know, it's not, there's just so much more to it. And, and, you know, there needs to be change in the industry. We need to have equitable, uh, I mean, on, on every aspect, on breakdowns, on casting, on how we agent. I mean, things just need to pivot. And I think it's, it's really lovely to be partnering up with someone who is very open to that and, you know, really excited to jump in and learn and also really make actual change from what we can do. So mm. it's good. Yeah, that is amazing. I'm so excited for you. And yes, huge congrats. And one of the things I want to just comment on is how you were told all of these limiting things, like, it's going to be so hard to pivot as an actress. It's going to be so hard for you to get into TV, film, and theater if you start off in voiceover. You're going to pigeonhole yourself. All of these limiting beliefs about what this industry is. And of course, we'll get into it more when we talk about the obvious path. But um, it is so clear that, that none of those things are ever really true. Everybody has a different path. And it's very unusual that the path is linear in this very strange and unusual industry. And I think it's just, it, it really is a testament to you and your resilience and you really know going after what you want and being true to yourself and your values and the change that you want to see in the industry and in the world that you were able to, you know, jump over those proverbial fences that may or may not have truly, truly been there. But I hope that that's inspiring to anybody listening that no matter what it is, what you are doing and what you want to do, don't listen to the naysayers. Yeah. Well, it's also, I I mean, the thing that I think of when you're saying that is like so many of those things like Kat had to do, you know, like uh, the, the internship model, like I say, like as a 28 year old is not, it's, it's not feasible for anyone at any point in their life. And it's maybe only feasible for like a privileged person that's coming out of college and has some money from their parents or 
other family members that are able to like float them for three to four months. And that's only if you do one internship, like the internship model is just not practical. Like we, again, are both from like what we would definitely call privileged backgrounds, but we were on our own and we saved money for a year and we blew through it in four months. Like we leveraged everything to have Kat go through the internship thing. And so like when people were saying like, you'll never make it out of voiceover, it was like, I don't have a choice, yeah. you know? And I, I, I wonder, you know, cause like I say, there was like, like you're saying, like every step was sort of like necessary in that, like where Kat really started at TV film was that same agency. And like, would that have been the same trajectory for her if she had not started in voiceover and not taken that job? I don't know. We'll never know because like yeah. we didn't have a choice because yeah. she was like, we were just coming out of grad school, you know, like she had just had a job, a paying job for yeah. four months. So we needed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. That's wow. Yeah. This, this business is certainly not without surprises, right? <laughs> like, and I think that's so relatable. Sometimes it's those moments when you're like, you know what, like, this is it. Like if this one thing doesn't come through, like that's it. I'm packing the bags. I'm going to live back with my parents. Like I'm done with the industry. And then things surprise you. Like, oh my gosh, being a partner at an agency, you know, it's, yeah. yeah. The, the business works in such mysterious ways. And sometimes I think the things that we think are, you know, the best for us sometimes are not and vice versa. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So, Peter, to to come to your story, um, I love this. So listeners can't see this, but Kat and Peter are sitting next to each other right now while we're recording, and I'm like, can't get over how sweet this is. Like every time a question is asked, these two are like looking at each other and checking in, and like your turn. It's so cute. I yeah. love it. You're an amazing couple. Yeah, seriously, you're very kind. Yeah, we're yeah, we're we're not, but. <laughs> <laughs> Real talk. No such thing as like perfect couples, but oh my God. So, <laughs> um, so Peter, I would love to hear your story of, of being an actor and working on set during the pandemic. Um, I'll let you tell us more about, about that project, but yeah, tell us your story. Yeah. I mean, my, my story is not as like exciting or like, uh, you know, guided and like at certain points as Kat is, um, but you know, like uh, where I think like our stories line up is like we went to the same small liberal arts college in Texas and we both went for musical theater and I came out of school like as a 22 year old bass baritone guy that was like trying to make it in a musical theater world that was like already like and even more so now like shifting into like the pop rock tenor world. And so I immediately got to New York and I was like, uh, this is not me, but also like, I didn't have any like reason to believe I could do anything else, you know, like anyone, we, we were sort of reflecting on this. Kat and I were 19 years old before we ever knew somebody that knew somebody that made it on Broadway. Like we were in the same like tap class at our college and like our department chair came in and like one of our alums had like made it in Lion King on Broadway. And like, that was just like, that's sort of growing up 
in Texas and like I grew up in a small town and you know like being a performer just doesn't feel like an option you know and it sort of always felt like we're chasing this really really elusive thing and the same thing I mean it was the same guy but we were 23 years old before like we knew somebody that knew somebody that was on TV you know mm -hmm. it just like none of this career ever felt practical so I had gone to school for musical theater so I was like I have to make it musical theater or bust you know and so the job that worked out for me like luckily was like Disney Cruise Line and I always refer to that as like that was sort of to me Broadway I was like this is about as like high as I can go in musical theater because I had sort of I'd have like a really bad experience where I thought I was going to get cast in the tour and then. Well, I'll just I, interject and say that he was actually offered a role on a tour and then it was taken away. So like, it was a really uh, non-equity y'all. It was a, it was a hard, like, yeah. and that was like right out of your, right, right out of school. So that was so, like career quotation marks had just like started with kind of a bust. And I was just like, I don't think I can do this. And so the plan was to be on cruise ships for like as long as they would have us. And, you know, again, like another guided part of the story is like, uh, after we did that first one, it was like, uh, we were expecting another contract and we didn't get one. And so the forced move out of that was like, okay, I, I had worked at a Shakespeare festival in my junior year of college. And in the recesses of my mind, I had had this memory of this guy saying he went to graduate school for free and he got paid to do so. And so Cap like came downstairs one night, like, three months after we had gotten off the cruise ship and she found me like at 4 a.m. like researching graduate schools uh, for acting. And there are a ton that are free to attend. And, you know, like my program, the Case Western Reserve University Cleveland Playhouse MFA acting program, uh, which is a long title, but they also, I mean, they give you 1500 bucks a month to like age yourself getting through school. So you can go through that program without accumulating any debt. And that was really transformational for me. Like, you know, obviously the program was great. And then when I came back to New York, just all of a sudden the world opened up in terms of who my representation was and what I was auditioning for. Like now I was going in for plays and now TV. I was going in for TV. And, you know, even like musical theater sort of came back in a weird way, you know, like I had aged and like now I was like more right for some of those roles. Um, and just being able to build myself as like an actor who sings just changed my life drastically. Um, and like, I have not had like any like great large success or anything like that, but I think, you know, it's just been like a slow chip away and when Kat got her job, um, like this year, it was like, like I say, like we had sort of really evaluated if New York was possible for us. And this answer came back like a resounding yes for Kat. And when you're like going through life, like with your partner and you're just like, this is so clear that this is what we are supposed to do. But like a part of you still goes like, and how do I fit into this? You know, and coming back to New York this year was very interesting. It was like, I got back, didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I got the first audition that I got was for a guest star on Law and Order. And I don't audition for guest stars very much. I mean, this was maybe my fourth or fifth guest star audition. I had had a friend that had taken from this acting coach and she said, get some coaching on this audition. 
this guy really, really changed like how I would have done this audition and I fully credit him. And two weeks later, I got a call that was like, uh, you got this guest star in Law and Order. And it was, you know, like totally a moment for me where I was like, wow, you know, like it was just a, another answer of like, you're questioning what's going on. Um, but this this journey is guided. And like, if you keep stay the course, there are things for all of us that, you know, will come through. Um, and then it was like a wacky experience, you know, like going on set in, you know, for me, I'm a funny person to report on set because like so much of my life has been regional theater. And so like, I almost don't know. Well, and like previously you had done one co-star. So like Peter's yeah. experience on set was like, you know, like an, an under five. Mm -hmm. So like, it was like one day on set and like super, you know, like super fast. And like, he was with a group of people. And so like, it wasn't, I mean, it was intimidating, but not as like, like you, the role you just did was like, he was acting with the series regulars and he had like four or five scenes that was about like him. So it was like, it was a big experience going from this like under five thing that you did yeah. your first time being on set to being like, oh, like pressure's on, you know, like this, like you have to deliver on these scenes because it's about you, <laughs> like yeah. the character. So. And COVID, you know, it's just like, there's <laughs> right. so, there were so many like new elements of, everything was just like new information, new information, new information. Um, but it was just a blast, you know, like I learned so much, like that group of people is all, you know, 22 seasons in, like they are the most kind and welcoming people. And, you know, like as soon as they yell cut, everyone masks up and like the crew is like, drastically reduced in size um and you're testing every single day and um before you get on before set. you get on set and yeah. it's all feels very uh controlled and safe and it was so wild to go like pretend you know that you're an actor for two weeks that we were shooting it you know just like yeah this is totally my normal routine now i go and test for law and order and then do a scene with iced tea you know <laughs> Oh, so cool. Love iced tea. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. And huge congratulations. Well, I, I, I truly feel it's incredible too. You know, like, you know, the, like the New York blog of like, you feel like you just, you know, you're lucky to get co-stars ever. And you feel like you have to have so many co-stars before you even get seen for guest stars. And you feel like you have to have, you feel like you actually have to have booked so many things before you get a certain thing and truly i mean it's a, a great acting coach and like a real miracle is like all i can say and i just feel talent. Like super lucky yeah we're a little talent yeah and, no and some good talent thrown in there too yeah for totally. real yeah you two are so humble and generous in crediting people and you know giving people and i i do believe in giving credit where credit is due but you know peter your acting coach didn't do the audition for you. You did. And Kat, you said before that Peter's manager got you the job at Harding Curtis, but it was you. It was all you. Oh, man. It's definitely... Y'all are wonderful. Yeah, you guys are <laughs> It definitely feels like at a certain point, you're just like, I, am I even doing this? You know, like... It's just, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. We but. feel, it, it's, a, it's a mix of all those things, you know, but we really do feel so lucky just like the the things that have worked out and like i said like we're not like 
super successful people by any stretch of the imagination, but just like the things that we've done that we're really proud of, it really feels like somebody came in at like a really important moment and just said like, oh, hey, like here's just like a little help. Mm. And it has made, and in like in a game of inches, like in a career of inches, like that little help makes all the difference. So, yeah. Totally. Wow. Did the episode of Law and Order air already? It did, it actually. Did just, Thursday just, yeah, night. Thursday night. Yeah. It was very strange. Like, I wrapped on October 23rd, and it ended wow. up, you know, because of, Jeez. yeah, because of COVID, they had started with, I guess, what's going to be the third episode of the season, and that was a smaller cast. So they were just trying to figure out, is this even feasible to shoot? Um and so what, by the time they had gotten to our episode, it was a larger cast and it was always supposed to be this series premiere. But, you know, you know, when you audition for TV shows, it's always like 22003. So mm-hmm. we were in the third episode of the season. And then we showed up at the table read and in our Zoom table read. And they were like, <laughs> yeah, so this is the series, like the season premiere. So don't screw it up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, wow, this, this is a bigger deal. Yeah. Um, but I mean, another, another situation where you're just like, wow, I just really lucked out that no one like shoots a TV show and then two and a half weeks later is putting it up, like watching it. Yeah. Wow. Were you, were you happy with how it turned out or, or what was it like for you watching, watching yourself? Sure. You know, I, I had talked to uh, one of the guys that I'm in acting class with right before, and he gave me like the greatest gift and the, the guy that I use in acting coach is totally of this ilk um, as well. And this guy was like, he's a theater actor. But he's done several TV shows and a couple movies. And he was just said, I, I was like, any tips on not being too hard on yourself? He left me this voice memo. And he was like, hey, man, you know when you're doing a play and you all like do opening night and then you come out to the audience and somebody runs up to one of the cast members and they're like, you were so wonderful. And that person's like, Eh, it was okay. You know, he, he was just like, that person has robbed um, the audience member that was excited about everything um, of the experience of joy. And he was like, you, like, by your nature, are going to want to make this event about you and about how you wish you had acted differently and about how, like, you didn't know the camera was in this certain spot or you wish you would have said this thing a different way. But he was like, let it be about everybody who's gotten you to this point and like thinking about like both like my acting teacher from home and like the acting community that I'm in now and like I was sitting you know we were having like a COVID watch party with my sister and brother-in-law and Kat and just being like they're my parents and Kat and so much of my family has sacrificed so much to like help keep this dream alive like who am I to like be critical of the things that I wish were different? Was this the greatest gift? Like heading into watching it with that mindset, and, and he like killed it. It was so good. <laughs> it was. I'm there. It is yes. And I don't know about that. He plays but... the character. I'm not going to give anything away, but it's just a little different than who he is in real life, and that was very fun to see. So go watch it. It's fun. Uh-huh amazing watch it that's amazing and what a beautiful mindset to go in with that's so great yeah really really uh crucial advice at a really great time Yeah, yeah totally 
Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, we will definitely we'll have to link the uh, the episode in the sh- yeah. in the show notes here. Like cat got me as a little gift, a little uh, coffee mug that says "Dun Dun," like the little. <laughs> it's so fun. I mean, like cat Law and Order, like every day when she first moved to New York and was working at Applebee's. So, oh yeah, it was, that was one of the sweetest things. Is this Kelly Giddish called her, like Facetime her from set one day, and you know, like Ugh. ran her around set and like showed her Mariska and like. <laughs> yeah, I was like sitting on the couch, like no makeup on, Peter's on set and I get like this FaceTime call and I was like, that's weird. Like, I guess Peter's in his dressing room and it was Kelly Giddish. And I like audibly screamed. I was like, Kelly Giddish, oh my God. I was like, I'm so embarrassed. Like, I'm so sorry, Peter. I'm so embarrassing. Like, I'm obsessed with you, Kelly. Like, I really fangirled. It was very embarrassing, but incredible. And she like walked me around and like, I got to see iced tea and like, I mean, it was a dream. And then like we hung up the phone and I was alone in our apartment and I was like, did anyone see that? Like, this happened to me. like, oh, like it was just quiet and I was alone and like, we didn't have a dog at this point. And I was like, oh, like someone needs to celebrate with me. Like it was, it was hilarious. But, but, yeah, it was so fun. That oh, is amazing. Nutshell, just like yeah. sort of like being with a group of people in a room and then you just turn it off and you're like, I'm alone now. Did that just happen? <laughs> Seriously, that is the story of most of 2020. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Totally. So just to pivot a little bit, um, it's been so fun to hear about both of your paths in this industry. So that leads us to our question about your blog, The Obvious Path. Um in the obvious path, you interview actors, directors, writers, agents, casting directors, and teachers from all across the country, and you provide different approaches for artists to aid the ascent of their dream mountain. So can you tell us about, first, just what inspired you to start The Obvious Path? Yeah, uh, sort of a, sort of a like, I guess the short version is... Um, Carly Valancey is a friend of ours at this point was a new friend of ours. She recommended this book to us at this time called reach out. And, um, we like there's, this has become like the base of Carly Valancey's like pivot career now is she runs reach out parties, but we read this book, reach out by Molly Beck. Um, I listened to the audiobook of it the morning we were, we had won the Friday 40 to go see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child last October. And the, the like formula of reach out is you always reach out with two gifts, which one is always a compliment. And then the second is another gift, whether it's like a book re- recommendation, a podcast recommendation, or one of the options for a gift is a media opportunity. And um, this just all like clicked. Like I was just having like a New York day where I was gonna go see a Broadway show. And so I showed up to the Broadway show and I was like the media opportunity, like that's the thing. Um, we're gonna write this, like Kat arrived at the theater and I was like, okay, we're gonna write this blog. It's gonna be called The Obvious Path. It's gonna be about like our lives essentially, you know, like the journey of like, all the in-betweens of like people arriving at success or whatever. And Kat was just like, okay, let's do it. And <laughs> very sweetly. And then we sort of like went to write the mission statement. Like it was just like one of those things that like 
made sense to me. And then I found myself like writing like sort of our goals. And I was like, wait a second, does the obvious path make sense or something like that? Yeah. But it was like, it was interesting because I do feel like we had like a number of friends who had been hustling for a certain amount of years and had just arrived at their like, what we would say, like, they're like, you know, like they're the, the top of their mountain or something. And like, it was like, oh man, like, I wish they could hear this person's story before this. Because like, you know, we live in a culture of Instagram and like, when you look at Instagram, it's, it's sometimes really defeating when you're just like, oh, this person booked this Broadway show on this person booked this. And like, it's, you're so happy for them, but it's also so rewarding when you can hear the hustle behind it. And like the, the, not even just the rejections, but like how they kept going and like what the challenges were getting there. And like, has their opinion of success changed when they're at the top of their mountain? Like a lot of the times it has, you know? And so we, we felt like we had these cool stories that we've heard from like different groups of friends that we were like, wouldn't it be cool if like, we could just share this with people because it's been encouraging to us. And like, as someone who is like trying, who was trying to be an agent, I was like, it'd be cool to hear from people who transitioned from being an actor to an agent or acting to casting because like, I had no one who I knew who had really done that. And it would have been super helpful if someone would have been like, hey, these like five things you need to know when you're doing this. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of our goal in doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it goes back to like the whole being 19 and 23 before you knew somebody that knew somebody that was doing something. It's like, I think because like we maybe have the advantage of being like so far removed from the industry, like you come to New York and as a young person, like I was like, feel like, you know, my agent or like the casting director, like might as well been, you know, like your second grade teacher, you know, when you see your second grade teacher at the grocery store, you're like, you exist like outside the ecosystem. (laughs) My school. Um, Like I just didn't feel like those people were real. And um, (laughs) then like going through the existence of like watching somebody whose dream it is to be an agent. And I imagine that cat story is not particularly unique in that way. Like, if people are casting directors or people are agents, like they love this business, like oftentimes more than anybody. And they want to like um, help people a lot of times, not all the times, but a lot of times, like you have these like really pure people. And like, what would it be like if we could show the human side of all of these people, whether it's like the actor we admire or it's the agent we uh, have never heard of, or it's the casting director that we want to have a human interaction with before we go into like a very cold audition situation it was like that feels like you know based on the experience of how wandering our journeys were that feels like something that we can speak to um with like definite motivation and um importance and with care yeah 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 Yeah. i love what you said about putting the the human side to these interactions because yeah i think we as artists there it does sometimes feel like there's a power play, right? Whether it's between an artist, as you mentioned before, Kat, like artists and agents or artists and casting directors. And at the end of the day, like everybody wants to get a job done, right? Like we all need to collaborate and work together. And we've talked about this before on this podcast, this idea of like people who are behind the table, like what would it be like if there was no table, you know, like, and that that when you said this about the human side of things is what 
what that means to me. Let's just sit around and and have a conversation, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And and like th- that is like something that I think a lot of people are reckoning with right now, but it's like to like I think a lot of people have that sort of idealized version of like why we're doing this. But sometimes we need like a what reason to care about people, you know, like if I, even if I just know, like, uh, like we're from Texas or something like that, if I know somebody's from Texas, I can be like, oh, hey, like, you know, Bucky's and they'll be like, oh yeah, I love Bucky's. And then all of a sudden we're able to access like a whole new side of our humanity because we're dealing with a what thing, you know, that's periphery and doesn't matter. But when they're so focused, like agents and casting directors, are so focused on like the job that they have to do, you know, like they need like humanity to like come into uh, like the same scene that they're watching 45 times that day or yeah. whatever. And and that's oftentimes like the most memorable part of their day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, we're all just human beings <laughs> And like, we're all saying everyone is just trying to do their job. And these are, these are really false hierarchies and they exist in every industry, but very much in ours. And I love that what you're doing is just humanizing every person as a person with their own story and their own path and just showing how no one path is the same. And I think that if I had had a blog like The Obvious Path early on in my career, or a podcast like Lily Tori's The Dreaded Question, or knew about Reach Out, it, I think it would have been a really different path for me. Um, because, yeah, I think like you sort of think as an actor sometimes that you're at the bottom of the totem pole. And so I, I, pre- I really, really appreciate and admire what you're doing and also just admire um, you championing artists at every part of their journey and not just when they've made it to the top of the mountain, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it means a lot to hear you say that. And I would throw this podcast like right in there with yeah. all these things. And I think like that is the gift of like the age that we're in of like social media being what it is and like podcasts being so accessible is like, we do have access to like give information to one another and instead of like carrying on this sort of old guard or like white supremacist view of like, you have to like pay your dues before you access a certain level. It's mm-hmm. like, we got to get rid of that. And we got to like give people information that they need, whether they're in school, whether they're like wanting to pivot careers, like this information like needs to be accessible because that's truly the equitable system of like, then the best person can go get the job. But right now our industry doesn't work like that because you have to, if you're an actor, you have to have gone to a certain school for for you to have access to certain auditions. For for an agent or for a casting director, you have to have an internship. And thankfully, I think there are starting to be ways where people are starting to change that system. But like, like for so long, it's been like, you have to have an internship or you have to do an apprenticeship for so long before you're given access to that. It's like the best person can't rise to the top in that scenario, because even if the best person is doing it, then the best person is also like having to wait tables like Thursday through Sunday to like go intern at a casting office Monday through Friday. You know, it's just, 
it doesn't set people up to do their best work. And I think the industry is starting to realize that, but it's like, we've got a long way to go. We've got a lot of information to share with one another. And the more that we can do that, the more we can sort of like systematically start breaking down, like where's the problem and go find and take care of that problem. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, man, I love it. Let it out. Yeah. hundred percent. I completely agree with a hundred percent of what you're saying. And yeah, a lot of those things are really problematic. And the, I guess, system that you're talking about of like, internship or like go to a good school and get access to this agent and then you get these auditions like that's not it's definitely not equitable and it's also definitely not sustainable and if it were really the only path to success or the obvious path to success then you wouldn't see people who are successful who have done anything else but we all know so many people who have found their way in some unusual or not obvious path. So um, yeah, I I really, really believe in everything that you're doing. Uh, We we appreciate that. I I think like we've heard this quote, like both in a religious context and like it's one of Brene Brown's quotes. So like basically same thing, right? Um, (laughs) uh, Religiously, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like your usefulness or your creativity or um, you know, like your ability to make change comes from your failures or perceived failures or places where you feel like you've come up short. And like, when you expose those things, like that is creativity, like that is bravery and creativity is like showing that side of yourself. And that's like what this podcast does. This is what the obvious path is for is like showing people's side of like, this is how hard it was you know, and like, let's, let's get rid of like the Instagram version of success where we all have just arrived at the moment. Um, or like, like you're saying, like just the, the limited view of like, this is what success is. Like, this is how success, my idea of success has changed, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, this is the thing that I value more now. I think like all that thing, like, like we're seeing uh, like the political spectrum as well as like representation matters and like representation of like people and who you are matters and representation of like, this is like my firm stance on like what I believe success is that matters to someone who's like struggling to find that for themselves. And if like our blog or the podcast or like other things can like help people find that one thing Mm -hmm. that, um, I, I think that's like very noble work, um, that, I think like this generation of people and like uh, truly people, I think we're sort of in a moment where people are coming to the realization that that is important work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I feel like that's a really inspiring note to end on. Yes. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Um, You are an amazing couple and amazing as individuals as well. And you're so lovely and it was such a pleasure and I'm sure that our listeners are going to be so inspired by this conversation. Thank you both so much. You both are lovely and wonderful and we really believe in the work you're doing too. And we're just thrilled we got to chat today. Thanks for listening to us ramble. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both for coming on. This was such, such a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. We always love hearing from you. 
You can email us at positivecreativitypodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at positivecreativitypodcast. And for more info on our guest today, please view the show notes. Join us next time on Positive Creativity Podcast.